it's Christine here with the Express to Impress podcast. This episode is part two of how to improve your listening skills with movies with Cara Leopold. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I recommend you check it out before listening to this one. In this episode, my guest Cara talks about effective and most importantly, fun ways to learn the English language or any other language. Before we listen to the rest of my conversation with Cara, I want to share a quick reminder that you can subscribe to receive notifications whenever I release a new episode. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on other major podcast directories. And if you have an interview coming up, I invite you to visit my website for my free five-step job interview preparation checklist. This checklist has already helped thousands of people worldwide get jobs they love. To sign up, visit my website at express-2-impress.com. Now, let's jump back into our conversation. People speak English differently depending on where they live. The speaking speed can be faster or they can talk more, like use more words. And where I live, compared to other regions, we speak at a more like measured pace, not, not as fast as some regions. We don't mm. speak as much as some other regions. So many people have told me they um, have an easier time understanding me than maybe their colleagues, depending on where, where they're living. So I guess any, any thoughts on what it takes to adjust to all of these differences in speaking patterns um, and speaking speed? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, this is where we can take more of a listening training approach. So in terms of the accents or speakers that you find more difficult, there's actually a really cool website. It's called the International Dialects of English Archive or IDEA for short. And it has a really massive collection of recordings from people all over the world speaking English dialects from the US and the UK, but also a very, very broad range of um other accents, so people speak English who, for who English isn't their first language, etc. And uh, yeah, I'm articulating this badly because I don't want to say non-native speakers every single time. So there's this yeah. massive archive of of accents, and it's the same format for most speakers. So they kind of read aloud a passage. So that's like something written that they read out, and then there's kind of a, a phonetic or phonemic analysis of, of the features of their accent. And then in the second part, they're speaking more spontaneously on a topic. And um, the site actually has some like micro listening tasks, as we call it, where you listen to a short section of what those people said and you try to write it out. Oh, but you could wow. also, yeah, so you, cause you've got the full transcript, you've got, well, you've got like the phonetic or phonemic transcript, then you've also got the, just the written transcript of what they said. So that's really cool for testing yourself, but you'd have to test yourself on the sp- spontaneous part because the first part, everybody reads the same text. So it's not very difficult then to test yourself. The second part is more interesting because their their language is, like I say, more spontaneous. It's going to be a bit faster and a bit messier. So yeah, that that's a really cool site to train for understanding specific, specific accents. And I, I think this also just comes down to exposure as well. So Obviously, some accents will be easier to understand than others. There's not necessarily like an inherent feature or features that makes one easier than the other. I think sometimes that just comes down to familiarity with it. Um, sure. So depending on kind of what materials you've been taught with, etc. And sometimes accent differences, they often just come down to a few key sounds, like R sounds are a big one. 
or even you know like my name like you were asking me in the beginning do you pronounce it Kara or Kara and mm-hmm. so you know there we've got some differences on the vowels and the r sound but other than that yeah sometimes the biggest differences between the varieties of English they're not as big as we think and actually the issue is more the way that people reduce sounds and link them together when they talk fast that is actually the biggest issue across all accents of English everybody does that it doesn't really matter if they they pronounce the r the american way or the british way uh-huh. they're still going to take shortcuts when they speak fast and they're going to modify words drop words drop sounds modify the sounds and that's what we should be more focused on so that's why it's interesting to do the types of yeah micro listening is the kind of trendy word teachers might use dictations listening and writing whatever you want to call it but these kinds of tasks where you raise your awareness of how English sounds yeah you know not not so much from a sort of individual phoneme sound point of view but more like okay when these words are all spoken together how do they actually sound what happens to them and you can develop that awareness by listening and then writing and working with very short sections absolutely well I can't wait to check out that website I have never heard of it so thank you for sharing that with the listeners and I couldn't agree more about learning how the language is actually spoken with those reductions and linking I Mm. frequently use Rachel's English videos with my Mm. clients or refer them to her videos. She has just so many (laughs) available that are are useful and fun. And my clients definitely are, are relieved whenever they find them. They're like, oh my gosh, it's like it unlocks the language. And they realize that they were going to be stuck (laughs) until they learned how the language was actually spoken. And and be able to like start to recognize when they hear all these words, like, I don't know these words, but then when they realize all of the way we reduce words, then they, they feel like, okay, I can start to understand people now that I Mm. I know this. One of her series that I love is the 100 most common words in American English. And she explains how they are really pronounced and she shares sentences so you can hear them in context and, and most of them are reduced. So so yeah, uh, this is the weird thing for people, I think, is that the hardest words are often the, the simplest words in the sense that they're the words that you've known, you know, since you started learning English. So the auxiliary verbs, the conjunctions, the prepositions, et cetera, et cetera. And even at, at advanced levels, they still cause people problems because they're the most frequent words. Obviously, the words that we say the most, we also transform the most. And mm-hmm. also, they tend not to be the most important in terms of conveying meaning. So they they tend to get reduced more than other words. Although, you know, any type of word really could could be reduced mm-hmm. when we're speaking fast. So, yeah, those those ones are really crucial. I think people would be really surprised by that because I think people think, well, I think people think that if I can't understand, it's because these words must be new. And they must be difficult mm-hmm. and complicated words that I don't know. I don't have enough vocabulary. And actually, the irony is that it's usually the words that you already know that, that cause the most problems. And, and then this has implications for learning things like phrasal verbs. Well, phrasal verbs are extra hard to learn because prepositions and um, adverbs don't tend to be emphasized when we speak fast. So therefore, it's even hard to identify the phrasal verbs if you're if you're just listening or this could make picking up new expressions or idioms or whatever is more difficult because you don't catch all the 
all the parts of the expression or all the parts of the idiom because maybe there are some articles in there or some other grammatical words that are hard to catch and therefore it, it sounds fuzzier and more unclear. So yeah, I do think actually not understanding also has implications for you know learning vocabulary and also grammar because if you can't hear the grammatical words then it's very hard to know when to use them. Absolutely. Um, so another issue I have faced is reluctant language learners. Certainly I meet motivated people who love learning languages, but I also meet people who are learning a language because it's it's a requirement to mm. get into a university or get a job they want or some other goal they have. But they really don't enjoy learning English and they don't seem to care about making mistakes or they're not really curious about it. They just mm. want to get good enough to get the job done. Does that make sense? Yeah, that um, makes total sense. Yeah. And, you know, I feel for them because I can see some of the process. They're reluctant and frustrated by it and haven't really accepted this is this is really going to improve their lives, you know. So what would you recommend for someone in that situation on how to improve their listening skills when they really don't enjoy language learning? Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I think this is a big problem with English. You know, people present it and I understand that because, you know, it, it's imposed on a lot of people and obviously we can't expect everyone to be excited about learning it. So I totally understand those feelings which are, are valid. I think then if you can't get excited about English, you know, what can you get excited about? What interests you in general? I mentioned in the beginning that I work with movies. So it's more interesting to do micro listening tasks when you're working on like a quote from a movie that you love or you're working on some dialogue that you really want to understand because you really like the movie. So what I'm getting at here is what kind of content would be interesting for you to consume in English? And I mean, the internet is in English. I mean, there, there are other languages that are becoming more and more important out there, but there, there's so much content in English. There must be something that would motivate you to learn. There must be something that beyond the fact that it's in English, you mm -hmm. want to know more about or learn more about anyway, because in the case of a movie, the story is interesting. Yes. So that's, that's a reason to watch it beyond the fact that it's in English. So it's trying to find that thing, whatever it is, whether it's books or podcasts or TV shows, or I talked to someone the other day who reads technical documentation in English, someone in the IT industry. I mean, it could be anything because everything works. So as long as it motivates you, then I think that's the key. I think motivation is really underrated because if you find something motivated, you will want to read it or listen to it and understand it no matter what, no matter how hard it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would start, I would start there, like think about your interests and then apply that to English. Yeah. It's mm. great advice for language learning in general, focusing on materials that, that are interesting to you and yeah. it won't feel like a chore to you. So I have clients and students who, like I mentioned, move to the U.S. They mm. meet a lot of those initial goals and they're struggling, but they accept that this is part of the journey and they're hopeful that their English is just going to get better and better. Mm. 
And then they come to me five years after moving to the U.S. or 10 years after moving to the U.S. And they say their English has been stalled for a long time. And they're surprised, they're disappointed. Sometimes even their kids speak better English than them and their kids kind of pick on them or tease them or tell them to work on their accent. And it's, it can be humiliating. And they had this idea that if they just got to the U.S., immersed in the language, surely they would become fluent. So how would you recommend they kind of jumpstart their English learning, their English listening learning again? Yeah, that's interesting because that is something that happens when people move abroad and it just goes to show it's not as simple as just moving. It's not the, the solution to everything. And yeah, I've had that after arriving in France. Sometimes you end up having like the same conversation over and over again. So you go into a shop, you're buying bread. You say, bonjour, merci, au revoir. Like there's, I mean, obviously, if you're just at the very beginning stages, you need to repeat these conversations. But, you know, after a while, it's not very helpful. Or, you know, the conversation about, oh, you know, you're not French. Where are you from? Why are you here? This kind of thing. I mean, once you've done it once... You will have to keep doing it again if you if you live in a country where you're not originally from, but it gets very repetitive very quickly. So I think the question is, you know, how do you break out of these repetitive situations that you've mastered, probably at this stage, and how do you go off and do something else? I think something that's helped me is that I've, at this stage I've done quite a lot of different things in French. Like I've worked in a French company and I've studied, also I've been to university. I've been involved in activism locally. Like I've I've done things that pushed me out maybe of that everyday comfort zone. Awesome, Um, yes. Yeah, so maybe like mixing up your routine and trying different things. Because again, if you've got kids and then they come home and then I don't know if people are talking to them in in a different language or in English or whatever. But yeah, what? hey kids, what did you do at school today? I mean, again, it's very, very repetitive. So it's sort of breaking out Mm -hmm. of that repetitivity. Also, I think something that can happen is that if you get good at like listening for the gist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a skill, I suppose, being able to kind of catch the meaning of something without understanding every single word. Mm -hmm. But I think if you get too good at that and you can't make out sort of individual words and you can't get all the details, then that is also something that can keep you stuck. So I think that's why it's interesting to focus on listening skills and becoming more aware of what you're missing by doing tasks like listening to short sections, writing out what you hear, and then checking with a transcript or subtitles or whatever, just to become more aware of what you're of what you're missing and what you could possibly improve. And then you can also, I get my students to do this. We kind of record like lines of dialogue from movies that we've worked on. And the goal isn't to pronounce it perfectly, but it's just kind of to be aware of like how native speakers say these lines what they're doing to the words which sounds they're reducing or blending together so that can be an interesting thing to start doing I mean I I say that it's it's less a pronunciation exercise and more of a listening one but it will obviously have an impact on your on your pronunciation so I think mixing up your routine is good also reading can be really powerful kind of for the reasons we've talked about because many small grammatical words are hard to catch in listening if you actually read them and you're seeing them on the page I think that reinforces grammatical knowledge better so like if you speak a language that doesn't use articles 
And we said articles are hard to catch in speech. If you see them in writing, that's probably going to be more useful for reinforcing when we use them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's easy to get comfortable communicating in certain areas. So a person might get very comfortable at communicating in business settings. But then the moment they're in a social setting and the topics are unpredictable and might be completely new for them, they may feel vulnerable. And so you want to get exposure to talking about different topics. And yeah, films, books are a way to expand your vocabulary. But I think even better, discussing books or films with people to then practice that language um, can reinforce some of that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we have a a movie club that we do with our students. And yeah, I was reflecting the other day on some of the topics that have come up over the last couple of years. And we've really covered a a massive spectrum of of topics where if I went into a, a lesson and I said, okay, today we're going to talk about like body positivity or like the meaning of life. I mean, some movies do actually like they cover quite like deep life philosophy, but in a funny way. And you don't really realize it until you start analyzing them. So Mm -hmm. we have covered like a a really wide range of topics and not just like the usual small talk. You know, that could be another situation people get stuck on, you know. Oh, hi, how's it going? What's the weather like? This kind of, you know, it's it's breaking out of that. The familiarity is good, but like you say, it's good to, if you've mastered one area, yeah, go and have a look at another area. Because there's there's always room to expand, isn't there? There's always something you haven't you haven't mastered so there's always more to learn it's always true in a language well I love the the concept of your movie club it sounds like a wonderful way to to learn and discuss and and expand vocabulary and listening and speaking skills so love learning about that all right I have another question here so I'm curious have you seen listening problems with English language learners that stem from the way they learned the language. Perhaps they put a lot of effort into learning the language, but they still have significant listening and speaking challenges. If you've encountered that, what are some of the problems in English teaching methods in classrooms that that create those problems? Yeah, I think that's true for so many people, unless they're one of these people who grew up watching friends in their bedroom as a teenager and they got really (laughs) good at listening through through that but yeah for most people it is a struggle and I think for us as well we've learned foreign languages and I remember the listening part wasn't taught very well it was just literally like practicing for the exam and it was sort of like multiple choice questions and I always found it very stressful there was never really any useful advice like it was just like here listen to this tape Mm -hmm. answer these like random questions pick a b or c so you can literally just guess (laughs) and then we didn't even do stuff like look at the transcript I mean the teachers could have got us to in addition to answering the questions we could have looked at the transcript and they could have been like hey look here's where they put a a bit of a trap to make you answer b when the answer was actually c because they used the same word but they used it in a different expression or I don't know we never even had like the most basic level of sort of analysis and for me that's absolutely indispensable to look at transcripts and actually look well what was in this listening that made it hard what was 
the problem? Was it new words? Was it words that you already know? We've already said that those tend to cause the most problems. Like what was going on here? Or was it, is it just like, is there some language here that actually you haven't learned it yet? So these people were speaking in the conditional and you don't actually know that. So, I mean, that's another reason why you might not understand something. You actually haven't learned it. So that's another problem. And there was never this analysis and also not very much focus on pronunciation. So I Uh think a lot of people don't have a good awareness of how of how written letters should sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you brought up so many great points and these issues have come up in my own language learning journey and in many of my students and clients and there are long lasting impacts and repercussions. And for many people, when they seek out a teacher, they ultimately need to undo some of the learning that they've had. And yeah, learn to listen, learn to speak the language in the way it's really spoken. Um, Just the basics of English as a language of contrast. Our intonation, there's a big contrast. Volume goes up and down. Our intonation goes up and down. We have moments of speaking and of pauses. We have reductions. We have moments we speak very clearly. And it's that contrast that allows us to to gather meaning from the language. And without that contrast, it can sound very boring to our ears, or it might be hard to distinguish what is important and what the person is saying. So I really wish some of these basic features of the English language were taught in all classrooms where people are learning mm-hmm. English because there's so much time and effort put into it. And yet some of these basic vital things to being able to listen well and speak well are, are missing in, in the yeah, classroom. I, just, I think what the big issue is sort of treating writing and speech the same way and assuming that there'll be a transfer over from sort of teaching through reading and writing to speaking and listening, but actually they need mm-hmm. to be treated for what they are, which is two separate modes of communication with their own logic and rules, etc. Absolutely. So you touched a little bit on your on the training that you provide to students. You talked about your movie club. Can you tell me more about what you do to help people develop their listening skills? Yeah. So in the club is really about helping people actually watch movies in a way that's that's then useful for their own English, for their own listening skills and speaking skills improvement. Because I think, you know, a lot of us think, okay, well, let's just watch a movie in English and that will help me learn the language and that will be a good two-hour immersion in English and I'll come away having learned more expressions and having learned about the culture. And sort of the reality is it doesn't quite work out that way for various reasons. Often movies are are hard to understand. That kind of two-hour window of immersion, that's pretty long. And then I find people don't know what to do. They don't really know what expressions to learn or they get overwhelmed or they try to write down too many. And then there's the issue of kind of reading the movie if you're using subtitles. So there's all kinds of things that end up kind of spoiling that experience. So um, in the movie club, we're trying to create a space where you actually watch a movie and then learn something and then use it because you're discussing it with other people. And I think that's the most powerful thing about it is having this group of people from different parts of the world who all bring their own interpretation to the movie. 
So we we spend a month watching a movie. So that's very different, I think, to how uh-huh. people watch it by themselves. Uh-huh. We take some time to watch it, discuss it, read and watch other things about it, like reviews or things like this. Then we take some time to work on speaking and listening skills using clips from the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's a chance to actually go into more depth, mm-hmm. which is something that most people don't usually have the chance to do when they just watch the movie once. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to repeat an entire movie, but you can watch a clip more than once and you can understand it really thoroughly. And then we also have discussion. I think that's the most powerful part when you actually start kind of analyzing it and talking about it and also listening to other people and hearing what they thought about the movie and their mm-hmm. interpretation. And it's all, always really cool to hear about what my students have noticed because often they pick up on things that I just haven't noticed at all. And yeah, like I said, it's totally different to the usual kind of like small talk you might have in a typical English class or where you're always talking about the same things. Like I said, we've we've talked about a really surprising range of topics. It sounds so wonderful. I wish I could join it. Um, I wish you offered the movie club and Spanish and Portuguese, which are the languages I'm always learning. But um, I really appreciate you sharing about the movie club um, with the Express to Impress listeners. And I imagine many of them will be interested in <laughs> in checking it out. Well, well, we'll see. They're always welcome to join. I actually know someone who runs a language TV club where mm-hmm. she offers various languages like Spanish and Portuguese, Ooh. but it's it's based on TV series. So well, it's I'm a bit more of an out. <laughs> yeah, you should. I interviewed her for my YouTube channel. So that could be a possibility for you. And but yeah, I'd love to see more teachers, more teachers of English and also other languages run their own movie clubs because it is such a a fun way to to learn and to practice the language. And we also need more variety of clubs. We watch certain movies, but I don't know. I don't like superhero movies, but maybe somebody could start a superhero <laughs> themed movie club. You know, there I'm sure there would be a space for that. Yeah, absolutely. To discuss movies like that. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge and passion for language learning and English listening skills with with the listeners. You shared so many helpful resources, and I'll be in touch to get the name of the TV series. Actually, why don't you share it for the listeners? Yeah, there's the the language TV club. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Perfect. Just by typing that in, yeah, it should come up. I think there's only one called that so far. Like I say, there, we we need more. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, Cara. Well, thank you again. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. And thanks, everybody, for listening. That brings us to the end of the second and final episode about building great listening skills in the English language, or any language for that matter, with Cara Leopold. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Next time, I invite you to tune in to learn definitions for the idioms and phrases covered in these past two episodes. Thank you so much for listening to the Express to Impress podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please remember to share it with a friend. See you next time. Bye.